Greetings. My name is James Major Burns, and this is The Third Degree with me, your host, James Major Burns. Yes, people, I am back, back, back again, and I am happy to hear you because I can't see you yet. One day, one day soon. If you like to donate to that, you can always donate to that. You know what? I didn't even think of that. Yes, donations come in all forms. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, today was a beautiful July day. I went to see The Lion King, but I'll get into that later. You know, I want to start with a few things. Currently in Shrek the Musical at La Comedia Dinner Theater in Springboro, Ohio. You can look that up, check that out. Also, we'll be entering Girls immediately after I leave here. Open September 6th at the Youngstown Playhouse. And you can follow me on social media. Just look up James Major Burns on all social sites and you should be able to find me some way, somehow. So remember guys, in short, this is the safe space for myself and others to share what's been going on in our lives and our world. A chance for people to see what's behind the mind of the creative versus what you think because what you think isn't always the truth okay you do not know me okay let me get carried away don't let me get carried away but anyways this is a safe space for us to learn laugh and share together so speaking of shrek the musical today i am here with shrek (laughs) jason s lakes ladies and gentlemen how you doing good to see you james they're going crazy i can't stop them (laughs) please please calm down Oh. They're just going so crazy. Thank you. Thank you to my fans. Thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now that everyone is calm, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well today, James. It's good to see you. Yes, good to see you. But guess what? Y'all can't see us. Ha ha. You're not on the inside. Not yet. Going to keep throwing that out there. But yes, we are here with Shrek, Shrek, Shrek himself. I have to say that three times so they can know again. This is Shrek, y'all. We've been talking to people from the cast for the last two and a half weeks, but we finally get to see that guy, that title character, the movie you all are familiar with, Shrek. So let's get right into it. How is it being Shrek? It's been awesome. Um, It's been hot. Mm. Even on the best of days, even when the stage temperature isn't 103 degrees Fahrenheit, it's been hot. But um, I, it's just been a wonderful experience, honestly. I've really enjoyed meeting all the rest of the cast um, and, and getting to perform the show with you all every night. Well, that is great, and we're going to get into the cast. So, this is not the first time you have been Shrek. That's correct. You were Shrek once before. and What year was that? That was 2016. Mm. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about that? All right. Um, that was uh, the third third show I think I've done since I started doing shows again back in 2014 and it was with the Hamilton Rotary Presents Theater Group which is about half an hour south of here Mm -hmm. and uh, they do one show a year a big musical typically and it's used as a fundraiser uh, to provide money for the scholarship fund for the Rotary Club down there and they give it back to all the students Oh, so, really? Yeah, so it's it's a really cool thing to be a part of and it's usually a very, very high quality production. So. Well, that's great. Yep. Well, you were Shrek the first time. How was that experience for you as far as being Shrek? Because I'm sure you didn't do it over 50 times. No, no. I only I only played Shrek performance-wise six times for that, if I recall correctly. I think it was five or six. Um, and obviously, a much being community theater, a much longer rehearsal process. We right. had almost three months mm-hmm. ahead of time. Um, makeup was similar, but I didn't have to do it myself. My mm-hmm. good friend, Savvy Gay, shout out to Savvy, who was yeah. awesome. Um, did the makeup for me for Shrek the first time and uh, did a fantastic job with it. It was a little different headpiece, but more or less the same idea. Right. So how different was your costume then versus now? Well, the costume was was not as elaborate, certainly. It was uh, very thin material, which I appreciated because right. it kept me cool. <laughs> but like that leather like vest thing I wear was just a piece of brown fabric. But it, very similar. Again, thinner yeah. and lighter is our friend. Yes. So... How hot did you get the first time? Well, I got very hot because I was a lot heavier the first time I did it, too. Mm. I've lost probably 65 pounds since I did Shrek the first time. Um, and so I was hot then anyway <laughs> um, for a different reason. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was still hot because, you know, the, the, the rubber head cover thing. Right. It just, you sweat through your head like mad when you're wearing that. Exactly. And you know, really with the donkey head, it's the same thing. 
Don't I know? <laughs> Listen, so when you saw Shrek coming around this time, you saw the auditions, did you know immediately that you were going to audition? I didn't um, because I have my, my normal, I say normal in quotations, day job that I have to do. And I had to make sure that I could get clearance to have the time off to do all that. Uh, thankfully, I, I was able to do that. And I, I checked and made sure before I even auditioned. I was interested as soon as I saw it. Um, the director, Chris Beiser, I've known now for 25 years. Um, never have done a show for him there at La Comedia before. We've done some work together in community theater before, okay. but I, I've never done anything there. Um, this is just my third time doing a professional show as well. I, I did two last year as well up in Dayton. But um, I, I, I thought I could do it, and I asked him ahead of time because I, 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 I texted him. I said, is it even worth my time, or are they just going to go for a New York guy for the lead? You know, Because they right. do that sometimes. Because that's their taste that's, of Broadway. Right. That's kind of the thing they do. He said, no, absolutely. I think you should come and try. He says, you know, I, I can't guarantee anything, but come, right, come and give it a shot. And I was like, I, I know that. I, you can't, but if you could. <laughs> if you could, that'd be great. No. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting special treatment. I didn't, and I don't think I got any. I think Chris right. is very straightforward about stuff like that. Oh, definitely. But it was, uh, it was, it was meant Wonderful to be. It process. worked out, and it was so. Awesome. How did the audition process go for you? Like when you got there, you saw all of the people. I'm sure right. it was. Bi- I don't know if you've ever been to an audition process that big before or that long. It was definitely the longest audition I've ever been to, and I know the New York one was was orders of magnitude bigger and, and longer than that. But oh, yes. uh, they had even told us that they had not had that number of people audition for a show before locally. Right. And of course, all the kids went first. I know folks have talked about that. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of waiting. Once I got in there, it was pretty quick. I just, you know, went down the stairs. I actually listened to the person before me. And I don't remember who it was. They're not in the show. That's the one of the things I yeah. did like about the process. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get to get because my friend went right before me. So. She, um, I got to see her audition, and then Nasir actually got to see mine. Oh, that's cool. Yes, it was so yeah. that part was cool. Yeah, I, the, I, I don't recall who the person was that auditioned before me, but it, it wasn't someone in the show. But just went down, I sang my song, and they asked me a couple questions and said, we'll be in touch. So it was pretty quick. And then it was over. So it was all over. this preparation, and then two or three minutes, and then you walk out, and it's like. And wait. What was the first thought that ran across your mind when you got back into your car? Uh, I thought it had gone well. They seemed to enjoy the song. Um, asked me, you know, questions about my availability, which I thought was a good sign. Um, I, I just was, you know, it's like anything when I audition. I, I did the best I could do, and it was up to the universe at that point, you know, what right. would happen. So, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot see right now, but Jason has on a green shirt, sticking much to character <laughs> like the Power Rangers do when they're not in costume. But anyway, moving on. Indeed. So, you get the call. Where were you? I was in this office that we're sitting in right now. I was working, and uh, I got a call, and it was Chris Byerly calling me, and she said, is this Jason? I said, yes. She said, will you hold, please? Mm. <laughs> so, I said, okay. And then Chris Beiser got on the phone. And asked me, Zach, I have a question for you. Would you like to play Shrek? And I said, um, yeah, yeah, I would. He wanted to tell me himself, which oh, I thought was kind of cool. That was nice. It was a nice, nice you know, personal touch. But it was it was exciting. I was so excited. I called my brother, Steve, who you've met immediately. immediately. Oh, yes. And he, he was like, I knew it. I knew it. Like my brother would do. And <laughs> it was just, uh, it was really sweet. And I was immediately looking forward to it. Um I was uh, rehearsing for another show, Mary Poppins, at the time. My, my cast were all excited for that. Oh, that is so great. Yeah. Well, I got to tell them. And then I was exhausted. I had done, I think I want to say now, five or six shows in a row mm-hmm. and just no break time in between. So I was like, I need a break before this all starts. Two weeks of that break, I was ready to go. I wanted to get going on Shrek, and I had another month I had to wait before we got started. So, oh, definitely. I yeah. was in the process of like a two-year nonstop go. You know a, what I mean, then. Shows in rehearsals because people see the shows but they don't get to see the rehearsal process and unlike this very short rehearsal process i had to rehearse for shows and there were days where i would have like 24 stretches of of rehearsal days and then one day off and then another 31 days because we were doing so much and trying to start so much of our own things sure so it was really tough and i thought i was going to take a break well everybody else really wanted me to take a break i was all right but, you know, I was trying to make sure my friends knew I was okay. I said, listen, I'm only 28, and they're younger than me. Sure. So I was like, I don't need a break. 
So anyway, you get the call, you get your book, you're um, preparing for Shrek. Day one gets here and you walk in. Of course, no one has to guess who you are. No, (laughs) No. Uh, I'm easily the largest person in the room. So everyone's like, oh, Shrek, that's that's him right there. So what was your first thoughts walking in? Like, who did you see first? What were your impressions of everyone or just the atmosphere in the room? Um, The first people that I saw, uh, well, I I came very early. So I saw Chris Byerly and talked to her for a few minutes first. But then uh, Corey and Lucy popped in. And I had already Facebook stalked the hell out of all of you. So I knew who you all were beforehand. So uh, I just sat down and talked with them. They seemed very nice, very personable. I liked that. Uh, and then the rest of the cast started to filter in. A couple of folks I know, Mary, um, right. Bridget, I knew beforehand too. Mm-hmm. And we love Mary. She's coming soon. Yes. Mary, and Bridget. Mary Fossieberg, the original. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I just, I, I was excited. Honestly, I just was excited to get started on the process. So that's great. So then you meet everyone and that's fine and whatnot. But then I walk in. Yes. And, and what was your first impression of me after the wind stopped? Well, that's the thing, of course. <laughs> no, my first impression of you happened before that day, though, because I, in my Facebook stalking of you, had found the video of your audition that you had put up. And I watched it, and I was so excited <laughs> when I saw that video. I was like, oh, boy, we've got a really, really great donkey, and this is going to be fun. Oh, thank so you. So I was excited to meet you mm-hmm. and find, because, I mean, you can see the audition, but I, I didn't know your actual personality or whatever, and that, that came to be a, a very pleasant very similar to Donkey. Experience too, so. <laughs> oh, that is exciting. Yeah. Same for me. I was excited to meet you and everyone else. And it was just easy to get along with a bunch of the people. So how did this rehearsal process go for you into tech? Um, it was the fastest one I've, I'd ever done before. Um, mm-hmm. The previous one that was the fastest was Assassins, and we I had five weeks. Everybody else had six, but I was on another show and had to miss the first week. And, of course, you had to be there more than everyone else because. Sure. Sure. I had the benefit of having done the show before, as you did. Yes. That helped immensely, knowing the music and everything already. I barely had to go over my lines. Right. Today. And it was just and it was basically a brush up um, and learning you know, the nuances, I guess. I was going to say, the because there were some things that were different because it's, Certainly. sometimes they have slightly different scripts and mm-hmm. slightly different um, numbers or the, or the musical numbers are slightly different. So I know for you, a, a couple of different times, the words were a little different yeah. in songs. Than, Certainly. So how was that for you having to get that out of your head? Because again, like you said, I've been singing Don't Let Me Go as a solo, so... Versus having to run around the stage and singing at a mic, just like you were singing "Who I Be" as exactly. a solo for so long. And it, and when we first did it, I sang part of your part <laughs> because I'm so used to singing that as the solo. So I had to I had to disabuse myself of that. When we did that, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, but I thought it sounded good. I said, "Whoa, okay, this is this is different." So I'm thinking, I was like, "Oh, this must be the new part of the show, no, All right? That's the power right there." Yeah, that's Jason not singing what he's supposed to, <laughs> which I tried to avoid. Um, it, honestly, the changes weren't huge. There were a few scenes, uh, like the the opening scene. We didn't do exactly the same way with like the books and the baby Fiona and the Shrek. Right, right, right. We cut quite a bit of it, so that was new, having to learn it. But other than that, it was it was very much the same uh, script wise. So that was an advantage going in. It was I just enjoyed watching it unfold. I thought from the get go, though, everyone sounded awesome. Right. That was that was the big surprise. I was like, wow. Yeah, I was very excited to see several characters, especially the main characters. But then um, I was like, oh, I want to see who they have as Pinocchio because Pinocchio always has to sing really high. Yeah. So I was like, okay, Pinocchio. And of course, you know, the dragon, Sarah, who is my future wife. (laughs) And I was very excited to see her because Forever is like my favorite song in the show. I can't stop singing her part, let alone my own. But I remember the first time I heard her sing that and it just blew everybody's hair back and it was so good i was so impressed still i am impressed every time she sings it so yes so we're over the halfway mark now how was the show for you in those first couple of weeks versus now um it was i mean everyone was still i think at to a point settling into the roles and and the characters i mean i thought we had a great opening week and, and and it was very good but you get to that point of familiarity and you know uh, with enough for her, you know, repetition that things become more natural. You push things a little farther, a little different, find what works better. So uh, that 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 was the first couple week process for me was seeing, you know, exactly like the tempos and and the rhythm of the scenes and things and how those right kind of solidified at that point. So were there any like small goals you have for yourself, being that you have been Shrek before? Because again, you only had six times to 
to do it plus rehearsal time. But, you know, you don't get rehearsal time in costume. Right. So it's a difference when you're walking around, running around singing, and then you have to get your costume on, and then other people have their costumes on, and you have to get used to the weight of your costume <laughs> really? yeah. or, or the other things, your props and everything. So that's a even shorter process. Mm-hmm. So how was it, or, or what girl, goals did you have for yourself um, to improve on the Shrek that you already have become? Um just as far as interpretation goes, um, I played him a little more angry and a little less vulnerable and tender at times the first time. Um, I, I tried to focus on being a little more likable, especially once the second act starts, than I did the first time. I thought I, I, thought I went too far in the grumpy and not, not enough in the, the vulnerable part toward the end. Um, so I, I really focused on that. Um, the costume was a, a bit of a challenge at first because it adds so much bulk right. and just... I'm clumsy to begin with, James. Ooh. And pause. I'd... We gotta pause right there. <laughs> you guys don't know how many times I've myself saved Jason's life. <laughs> I can name a few. I almost caused one of the death experiences, also. <laughs> but the first couple of times I saw you stumble, I just thought, you know, yep. hey, he tripped over himself. Mm-hmm. But when we came to your house and you almost killed yourself over the Swiffer yep. um, sticks, I was like. Oh, I'm a klutz, man. I was like, wait a minute. And I screamed so loud. I said, Shrek, Shrek, Shrek. We, we need you. You, you can't take yourself out. It's one thing for somebody else to take you out. But for yourself to take you out, that's, you don't want to have to be the one. Like, oh, what, what happened? Well, I was just walking in, you know, feet and earth, gravity. Story of my life, man. The, the funniest one to me is, I don't know what you were doing, but you were in your chair and you just started to fall over. You could, and I like caught you. I was like, Shrek. <laughs> What's going on, <laughs> man? Oh, oh my gosh! The clutchiness is real. But the, in the last one, and one of the one of the last one, besides the heat, the heat almost took you out that day on stage. Wow, it was awful. Yes, but ladies and gentlemen, I tripped Shrek. Mm-hmm. Well, like Shrek kind of tripped over me, but it was um, my foot. There was a hoof where it wasn't <laughs> supposed to be, ladies and it gentlemen. It was my foot, and. Uh, we were in the middle of the stage, and I thought Shrek <laughs> ran away already. So when I went to turn around, he was still there, and he took a step, and then he took a a, a kneel, and then he took a fall. <laughs> uh, pretty much face planted. If it hadn't been for the fat suit, I might have knocked my teeth out. It oh, was bad. <laughs> my gosh! I and thankfully we were in a scene where I was screaming because I was just like ah, I I wanted to stop. I I, I just had to run, so I didn't know if you got up. Oh, yeah, because you had to run behind me. Oh, oh my God. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then when I saw you standing up, I stood there, but I'm supposed to keep running. I stood there with my mouth open and my, literally, I had my hooves on my ears, like, uh, uh, because I was like, wait, is is he hurt or is he acting still? Is he hurt or is he acting? Because this scene is like discombobulated anyway because we're being chased by a dragon. So when I saw you, I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. Are we going to stop the show? Is he okay? So once I realized that you were still acting and you said, get back, I was like, okay. But my mouth already was on the floor because I was like, oh, yeah, I was. there's the dragon chasing no one. <laughs> and then the dragon had a little bit of a problem trying to turn around. I was like, oh, my gosh, this scene today is just falling Apart. to pits. It did. It was. So what did you think when you started to go down? Honestly, the first thing on out of my brain was, oh, God, I hope the helmet doesn't come off. Oh, That was what was on my mind. So I, I was trying to stop that from happening. And then it was like, get up, dummy. <laughs> so I hopped up and ran up and pretended to run next to Fiona like I was supposed to. And I didn't get hurt, really. I mean, I got a little bit of a, like a rug burn on my knee right. from they the costume. The costumes are so heavy. They are. They're thick. And, you know, a little, it was sore the next day for, for a little bit, but nothing right. major. And it was fine. I mean, it just, you know, scared me a little bit. I was glad it didn't knock the wind out of me because if it hadn't been for that padding, it probably would have. Listen, I know that's right. I was so happy that you were okay, and I was not the cause of any <laughs> permanent damages. It was not intentional. I knew that. Thank you. So we're going to take a trip way back. Shrek has the lovely advantage, I don't know if we want to call it, and the lovely honor of having the title of show dad. Oh yes, he's the oldest guy in the cast. I am indeed by quite a, quite a few years. The show dad. I might be second. You are. I'm second. So yeah. we're show dad and show uncle. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So you graduated in 1998 from Denison University from, from Denison high school University. 1994. 94. Yes, I was speaking of college, yeah. but I was speaking of college because 98 also be that happened to be the last year you did a show before you took your big break. 
Uh, no, well, I, actually, I, I was wrong about that. 98 oh, okay. was Phantom, which was what I thought would be the last one. I did one more. I did Big River in 20, oh, 2002. Ew. Forgot about that one. Okay, um, so the cat's out the bag. Yeah, I did do Big River, and then it was 12 years. Wow. Yeah. So tell us about college. All right. How was that for you? So you graduated in 94 from? Franklin High School. Franklin High School. And before we get to college, who was Jason in high school? Um, I was a giant bookworm, big band kid, big choir kid. Did what did you musicals. play in band? Um, flute and tuba. I knew I knew you. Big guy got to hold the tuba. Oh, yeah. I knew it. They, they convinced me to switch and told me I could start marching in the eighth grade if I would switch and learn tuba. So I did. Of course. Yep. So uh, big music, um, big science guy. Um, I was the valedictorian of the class. Um, so you graduate, you go off to college. Go graduate, go off to college. And what was your major? Major was biochemistry. Oh. My intent at the time was to go on to, uh, you know, study pre-med and then on to med school and be a doctor. You know, life intervenes sometimes and changes your plans as it did with me. But uh, college was awesome. Um, I met some of my best lifelong friends there as part of uh, an acapella group that I sing with called the Denison Hilltoppers. Yes. Um, we still get together, the alumni, monthly, and eat dinner and sing and have fun. Uh, and they'll be coming to see the show on August the 3rd. I'm the very local excited group. about that. Yeah. I've heard a lot about you guys. Yeah, they're wonderful people. So YIH. I yeah. know. Oh, what was that? Why? YIH. You Why? probably might have seen that in my program. That's, oh, yes. that's our little saying, yours in harmony. Oh, I like that. Little shout out to Taking them. Taking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Where did your love for theater come from? Because I know Steve, shout out to Steve, Steve Lakes. My brother, yeah. He had the love bug for theater first. Absolutely. So Um, how young were you when he was doing theater? um, I guess his first show, because he's eight years older than me, so what would that be? He would have been 14, probably. So I would have been six, and um, I helped him, like, go over his lines and things. That's how I was first got, you know, introduced to it, and... Um, you must have been a nice, chill child because to ask a child to help you in lines. I, I was I was pretty calm for a kid most of the time. Um, but no, we I, I, I learned his parts. He will joke even to this day. I know his parts from high school still better than he does because mm. I was just I was so into it. And I just was in awe. And my other brother did shows, too. Jeff did, too. The oldest one. Sh- shut yeah. your mouth and say it ain't so. He sure did. He Jeff did, did shows. School. Yeah. He stopped doing them after high school, but he, mm. he did shows in high school. Um uh, he was, you know, both of them though, but Steve, Steve, I remember more cause it was, Jeff was older. Right. Um, and just remember sitting there in the audience in awe of what I was seeing, even at, you know, at the high school level and fell in love with, with that and said, I want to do that. And as soon as I was able to, I started to. So how old were you? When was your first show? My first like theater experience, not, uh, there was a church play when I was very young, but seventh grade. Uh, two dates for tonight was the play, a uh, little farce that we put on at the junior high. So I was twelve, I think, okay. at the time. That was my first, you know, official stage experience. I had done some, uh, like, competition type stuff with um, a program I was involved in here in school that did a, uh, had some theater elements to it, but it, not, not in a big official show or, or a play or anything. So yeah, seventh grade. Seventh grade. So when did you get into musical theater? Uh, as a, a freshman in high school. Freshman um, in high school? Yep. Damn Yankees was, was my first show. I was okay. Joe Boyd in that. Always playing the old man, even uh, then. That's just, yeah. They just knew. It's just the they soul. They just it's knew. The, it's the spirit. You got that soul. <laughs> you're wise. So you graduate in 98. 2002, you do your last show. Yep. Did you know it was going to be your last show for a while? Not really. No. Um, there's... You know, life events and things that, that had, had transpired had me in a different place, I guess, mentally at the time. I was dealing with a lot of depression and, uh, like, even body ish, body image issues because I was much heavier at, at one point. I Total weight loss of 150 pounds since that time. So okay. I was a big, big dude. Mm-hmm. And part of me didn't even like being out in public because of that and you know the shame issues associated with that and depression and it took me a long time to to get to be okay with that again i started going out and doing karaoke again first for a few years karaoke is a listen antidepressant i tell you that amen i love it and it's it's just you know you you get to see people you know even if they're not the best singer in the world they're having a great time and no matter what 
like you said, they're not the best singer in the world, and they know that. People already know yeah. that. But it's still one, of the, it's most about, of, one yeah. of the most fearful things for people to do, to yeah. get up and go put themselves in front of an audience of people to just basically look at you and judge you. Exactly. So it kind of, once you get up there so many times, whether you need liquid courage or not, it kind of, like, builds this confidence in you, and these walls start, like, you know, crumbling down and you meet other people who kind of have like similar energy and they're like hey good job like even if you suck as a singer when people see you like enjoying yourself or having fun like people see you people can feel your energies you don't know how many times you went to karaoke in that time in your life and somebody saw you breaking out of it yeah and what it even did for them or just to see somebody growing and helping and um, building themselves up it's a great thing to see and it was it because I, I had lost a lot of my confidence that I had had um, even in college. Um, for, and it was, it definitely had a, a large part to do with that. And exactly what you're talking about, I, I developed a group of friends, you know, of regular people. We went almost every week, we would go and have a, just a wonderful time. And that definitely got me more comfortable with being out and about in public again. And then my brother Steve is, is again responsible for getting me back <laughs> on stage and. He hasn't um, I haven't been able to drag me off since now. Shout out to Steve. <laughs> yep. And I will say for me, I went to karaoke maybe three or four times a week. It was the place I felt most comfortable. It was the place where I, f I felt like people were the nicest to me or liked me the most because they liked that I could sing. So yep. I was like, well, I'm only going to go to places that make me feel good. I'm not going to go stand in a bar and just feel like people are staring at me, even if it's all in my head. Sure. I said, I'm going to go to karaoke and sing my face out getting cool all the DJs so I get to get called up several times or before I leave I'm saying hey I'm gonna leave is it okay if we sing one more song and then his song too oh you were that guy oh yeah my okay. friends are like you always get to sing <laughs> hey it's not my problem and you think I'm gonna say no if she asked me to sing seven times no of course not I'm gonna sing so you're going through all of these things people in and out of your lives and all of these years so 2002 and then 2014 like you said 12 years were you still going to see shows uh-huh absolutely how could you sit in the audience and not want to be up there honestly that part of me just kind of withered for a while i don't know if it like i said if it was just related to the confidence issue or if it just i didn't feel i that was for me anymore for a while did you not have many people telling you that it was for you I had lots of people telling me that it was for me. And it just wasn't? It just, I wasn't in a place to receive that at the time. Um, and like I said, finally, it took my brother. They were doing the Wizard of Oz um, down in, at, at Hamilton Rotary. Um, so it had to be at some moment, though, before that, you started to feel, like you said, you're going to karaoke. You were starting to feel a little bit better. Did you even start to think about it at all before the Wiz, the uh, Wizard of Oz? Honestly, no. And I didn't. I wasn't going to audition for that show, and he, he basically... Drug you, drug me down there, and and said you absolutely physically have to do drug. Not he drove me there. <laughs> I just want to make I said physically drug him yes. out of the house, yes. not place a drink, correct? A drug in his drink. None of that is going on here, correct. Steve. We are clearing your name right now. Clearly, You're not yes. going to drag him down the drink. No, no, just just to be clear. But no, yeah, he. I, I recall he we drove together down there and auditioned together, and that uh, that got me back in the door, and I couldn't believe. You know, after a couple of weeks of, of doing it again and in the rehearsal process, that well, what was I thinking? I love this. Why did I stop doing this? But I was back and I made the best of it and we had a great time. And, there, you know, so was there continued. any big like revelation that you did have that that was that another boost in your co confidence of your life about how you felt about how you looked and how it really didn't matter at all? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I had already you know started the path towards getting healthier at that point too. So that part of that was was naturally gone going away because of you know my own lifestyle improvement. But um, did you were there like certain people in your life that you felt like you had to um, go separate ways with also to progress and feeling better about yourself? Because sometimes we have people in our lives or friends we try to hold on to that aren't good for us either. Sure. Um, I can't think of any specific example of that. Um, uh, to be to be completely honest, most of the friends I've had in my life have been wonderful, supportive people. We have, we, I'm sure yeah, well, there are negative influences, but those tend, have tended to kind of go away by themselves in my life. Either they've moved away due to jobs or other things. But 
Um, I didn't feel like anyone was holding me back other than me. Ultimately, that was the big revelation. That, that ends up being the saddest stories for me when people don't even realize most of our um, hurt and suffering is coming from ourselves. That really helped, hurt me when I figured it out. Yeah. After all the years of dealing with myself, sexuality and everything, when I realized that it was myself that was putting me in these situations or making me, really making me feel this way, it hurt me the most. Yeah. So I had to dig myself out of that hole. Same. But greetings. I'm James Major Burns. Unlike most of you today, I woke up like this. But once you start to love yourself and feel great about yourself, in my opinion, that's when other people start to love you Mm -hmm. because it's a certain energy you walk around with and people can feel it and it makes them feel good. And you definitely walk around with that, Shrek. Well, that's that's new, too. Um, I was a, a much more negative person at the time when I was not happy and not doing the things I wanted to do. Um, and it showed in my, my attitude toward the world and other people. And that was part of a conscious decision I made as well. I'm not going to live like that anymore. And I try really hard. I mean, we all, we all have our bad days, but I try very hard to be positive and be a positive influence for other people. Um, because I think we we need that. There's enough negativity and darkness in the world right now that we, we need kindness and we need, you know, to support each other and to be positive. Same. I always try to turn very negative situations into light and positive energy, whether it has to do with me or something that's going on in the world. And the way I usually do that now is writing songs. (laughs) So recently I had um, went separate ways with a friend in my life. And for me to express myself is needed i i it's a must or i'll go crazy yeah and i can talk about it for so long and i'll talk my friends ears off and they'll be like you need to get over this and i'm like this is me getting over this this is my process this is my process and i understand that now so i know it gets annoying but i'm gonna talk about it as long as i can so i don't think about it and it's just driving me crazy and i've noticed over the last um couple of weeks last few weeks it's something that has not been on my mind, but every now and then it'll just pop up like this bubble. And I'm like, oh, wow. I haven't thought about that in a long time. But for me, had I not made that song, and I just made that song and I was able to listen to it because it was about how I felt. I wasn't just saying stuff to get it off my chest to be mean or any other Mm -hmm. reason. I I had a point in what I was doing. And that was personal. But also, um, recently, um, I wrote a song about domestic violence because there were a lot of, it a lot of issues and situations in my city that happened that resulted in death. And one recently hit um, close with a girl I knew, but not that well, but she was related to some of my friends, some of my close friends. So there was a domestic violence song called um, Love is Blind with the rapper Eve and um, the singer Faith Evans. And it was a domestic violence song. And I used, I loved it growing up. It was my sister's song and I listened to it all the time. So I just remixed that song. It hasn't been released yet, but it will eventually. But I wrote that because I want to be able to, I feel like that's how I can reach people and just share how I feel about those situations or just try to spread some positivity or make people think a little bit more about those situations. Because for me, what I try not to do anymore is initially attack with hate or my first reaction be hate, even in the worst situations. So when, although the woman was murdered and and the situation was terrible. I also thought about the guy. I was like, "What's what was going on with him?" It's not what that pushes I pushes somebody to that. Yeah, right? I'm like, "What in his life? Who in his life made him think something like this was okay?" The the last situation, the guy had three kids with this girl who he shot in front of the children, his own children. So for me, I'm like, "What is wrong with that guy?" Right. Something had to be wrong for that guy with that guy to again think something like that was okay because I'm like, you know, 40 years ago, he would have just slapped the crap out of her, you know, beat her, beat the crap out of her. I'd have rather that happen so she could still be alive. Well, you know, you know, but either, I mean, that's awful too, but I'm like, what's going on that it's happened. And for me, it's maybe being younger, I didn't see it or notice it as much in my city, but I've, since I've been older, I know these people now. And it's like, from high school to now, I'm like, okay, I'm in that next generation of my life. And those people I used to know are that person who used to be this person are now people I know. It's Now it's my generation. Yeah. And I'm like, what's ha- what happened? 
We grew up in the same neighborhood. I feel a lot of the problems like that that you're talking about are stemming from we're losing our ability to communicate and relate with each other as human beings. And that's exactly why I started my podcast. Yeah. It's because I feel like I can communicate with people. One, I love just having sitting and having conversations. Sure. So that's great. And I feel like they need to be heard because just like we listen to interviews and things that inspire us, we can do that for people also. Absolutely. And with technology, we can talk and reach people all around the world. And I feel like if we understand pe- each other a little better mm-hmm. and know I might not know people who live in certain countries that in our country on TV look a certain way or they make it out to be a certain way. But if I can reach them like this and we can communicate ourselves, we can see each other for who we really are. And hopefully, I'm always hoping that something positive can come out of it and it can be a better world. I feel like it's the one way I can really help the world change. Yeah, in promoting just understanding. I mean, deeper levels of understanding of each other and, and where everyone's coming from. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it goes back to communication. We have to be better at that than we've been. <laughs> and especially with creatives and people in the industry that we want to be in, um, we're vying for roles against each other all the time. And it can be tough. And like we were talking about, I was talking about Usain Bolt with some guys last night. And we were just talking about how for those eight years where he's the fastest man ever recorded in the world. Everyone got there and was like, all right, who trying to race for a second? Because he's going to win. Now, you might not think, now it's not guaranteed that he's going to win every time, but he won every time. Yeah. He started losing in like his last year, last two years, maybe once here or there or there. But he he was doing amazing things. And it's like it's start, certain things you start to expect. But as athletes, I'm sure they were out there racing to win every time. But I'm sure there were some people who knew I'm just placing, you know, I'm just trying to come in second or come in third. And that's kind of how life can get also. Mm-hmm. There's another situation with The Little Mermaid, you know, that I wrote a song about. And it was a challenge by Nicki Minaj and Megatron Challenge. Y'all can check that out. I called mine Not My Megatron because people were hashtagging Not My Ariel. So, you know, a cartoon, Ariel will be black next year. And people are forgetting that she's a fictional character. So for the people who are saying, for me, the people are saying, it's not about race or color to me, but her hair must be red. Well, that's a color, <laughs> people. And for me, I'm, I don't understand why they wouldn't think her hair would be red still. But it's because she's black. First of all, whoever Ariel is will have hair dye. No doubt. And probably a wig. No doubt. So any person with hair, most people with hair, can get their hair dyed and wear a wig. So when they're, I think they're making themselves feel better too when they say, it's not about her skin color. I don't care about that. But she has to be a redhead. Okay, why wouldn't you think she was going to be a redhead? Because she's black. If it was another white girl, they, or somebody like, people wanted Zendaya to be um, the Little Mermaid. Hmm. And there's even, with colorism in our community, people with fairer skin, lighter skins in situations in our history have been treated better than people with darker skin. Sure. So it's, um, there's so many levels to break into with that. So even... Fair skin or light skin, brown skin, and black people get treated a different way. And then even it cr- causes tension in our community for them, even though it's not their fault. No. So with Hallie being Hallie Bailey, who's in the new Little Mermaid, being brown skin, I feel like if Zendaya, who was light skin, Zendaya was Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. And um, right. if you didn't know, but I'm sure you probably know who she is. I do. <laughs> um, for people who don't know, she was um, Mary Jane in the new Spider-Man spider-man but you know the new movies um i feel like if she was the new ariel no one would question her hair being red Mm-mm. because she's a lighter skinned girl and like oh well right. she could get red hair that's just my opinion but i feel like if she was the the new little mermaid because i saw that name get thrown out as far as um opinions on people felt like who could be the new little mermaid because they really like her and i love her also and there was um there's a actress named amanda steinberg she was rue in the hunger games yeah and she made some comments about um, Black Panther when it came out because she's a great actress and a very intelligent woman. And she's very young, but she said, I'm not auditioning for this movie because this is a moment for my brown skin and dark skin sisters to have their moment. And some people were like, you ain't even have to say that. 
But people were responding to her like, why won't you audition? She's like, I'm not auditioning. This representation needs to be shown. And even if that means me not being a part of it, I'll just be a part of the audience. Absolutely. So with Ariel being a brown-skinned little girl, all it's doing is showing little girls that they're princesses too because they have one, Tiana. And the hashtag not my Ariel is very prejudiced and racist for those who don't think so. And for me, it caused me to do something about it. And in my own way, I wrote a song about it. And you can check that out on my Instagram and my Facebook. And I will have a full song and video up very soon. But I just couldn't believe the backlash it was getting. And I'm like, this is for kids. It's for children. And when the little girl, little white girl walked through our audience last week with a little black mermaid with black yarn hair. And I po- I posted about it. I said, that little girl might call every little mermaid toy she sees Ariel. Sure. Because that's her word for mermaid. Right. And she, she hasn't been taught that that's different or wrong. Right. And that's I don't thing, know how right? long she's had that mermaid. I don't know if her mom bought it for her so she can say this is what the next little mermaid is going to look like. But that's that little girl's toy. And that's her little mermaid. And also, I, I said to someone, kids, when they're small, she might just call anything that resembles a mermaid Ariel because that's the only right. thing she that's knows. what she knows from right. seeing it. Right. So when she sees Hallie as the little mermaid, she's going to call her Ariel. Absolutely. Because, but, yeah, the, the, those kind of distinctions, we're not born with those. They're we're taught. taught. We're taught those either by experience or by, you know, society pressure or whatever. And it's unfortunate. Um, I think the whole the whole hubbub about it is ridiculous and stupid because I guess that's, let's not get too political, but (laughs) with the changes in our our society that have occurred of late, I think the thing that shocked me the most and I guess kind of removed the scales from my eyes was just how much hatred and, and racism and, and just for, for a children's movie, for a a kid's movie. And and, and even though I'm going to go see it, I love it. It, Yeah. It was intended for children. It disappoints me that 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 we today, you know, 2019, we still have that. And it, I don't know if it was just hidden for a while or if people just weren't paying attention as closely. But with everything, you know, under this magnifying glass that we're all seeing everything through now, thanks to the great Orange Cheeto, um, I think people are finally waking Who up. Who is and leading the, the charge? Right, but Who? again, let's not get too political. Listen. We're, we can get to it a little yeah. bit. And people, you know, there's a few, but. those things people don't like to talk about that makes you uncomfortable. But the reason I have a podcast is to have discussions that make us uncomfortable because we... Well, I'll talk about it all day. I just I don't want to take over. Right. <laughs> we'll be here all night. I had a conversation about... Um, there was a um, Confederate flag that I saw oh, yeah. on someone's house. And I put a picture Charming. of it on my Facebook. And there was a debate about it. But it was was very respectful and people were able to communicate. So the guy on one side messaged me and said, I'm happy that I can have this conversation, even though people don't understand or disagree. He said, I'm happy I can have this conversation with your friends. They're very respectful. Right. And I said, because we have to have the conversations one, and we need to be able to try and understand to move forward. Because a lot of times we listen to be right instead of listening to understand. And Trayvill Maurice taught me that. Because I know I will be listening to be like, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, like I was saying, so I try more often to listen to understand. That's hard. Than to be right. Sometimes. Yes. Especially when you can't remember what you want to say. True. But I mean, as I, I have a strong belief in the Constitution and the way things were set up as far as the rule of law. Do they have the right to fly that flag? They do. Yeah. That's their freedom of speech. They can express that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I have to like it, exactly. nor does it mean that I remain silent about it because I have exactly. freedom of speech too. And it's my prerogative to say, I think that's hateful. I don't like it. I wish you wouldn't do that. Is it my right to make them take it down? No. But right. I think it's stupid and and just wrongheaded and backward and primitive. I, I hate it. I had to it. tell the guy, I said, well, I understand because he was talking about the good things that came from it. And somebody was like, well, I'm sure Hitler did some good things in his day and still tried to massacre an entire race. Right. So what are you going to, um, you're going to take the good things from the book that he wrote and just be like, oh, well, what about all of these good things? And I had to explain to him. I said, okay, yeah, they could, they did all of those things. But to me as a black guy, when I see that flag and I explained to somebody else, the the risk of certain things when I see to me always in 
with it could be my life. Right. Versus it just being something that's like, oh, my gosh, that's a little scary. To me, it's always like it might be my life on the line when things happen like that. If you had benefited from these, quote, good things that they were talking about, that might be different. But to you, I mean, that's it's nothing but a symbol of of hatred and and right. and and you know tyranny basically and it, again differences in perspective i think sometimes you, you got to let go of certain symbols right the, the swastika was not originated oh no it, it with the nazis not even close no and but it, you're not going to walk around no. with it and be like well i minds me no, no. <laughs> sorry bro <laughs> you can say it means something else all you want i the can look it up the first thing that's going to pop into people's mind when they see it though is right. oh look that's a neo nazi we can look right? it up all day and be like okay well this 2000 years before it, yeah. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because the person who made it famous tried to wipe out an entire race right so sorry bro you're going to have to give it up and if you don't just know you're going to be represented as this type of person even if you're not because even if you're not. that symbol is tainted and right if you want to try and fight that You'll be fighting against an army for the rest of your life. Precisely. Yep. And for the people who do try to fight it, and even with the guy who said it, he's younger, and I feel like he just, I, I don't know where, I, I don't know where he stands. No, I don't feel like he's racist or really prejudiced, but I feel like he, um, understands his privilege. Sure. And he will he'll speak up with what he want to say, and he's not afraid to speak you know against things that might not end so well or sound so good coming out of his mouth mm. you know i don't have that privilege there's some things i'd never say to people sure and never say in front of people again because the result might end in my life and in certain situations i get uncomfortable and i'm like oh no no thank you so that was politics with shrek and donkey <laughs> yes baby <laughs> we got that again like we said we could be here all night what are you talking about so it's Tuesday. We have 21 more shows. Yeah. What do you want to do with your character for these next three, three weeks? I just want us to keep performing at what I think has been a very high level, personally, myself and, and the rest of the cast. I don't think there's been a dip like you, you would sometimes expect when you're right. doing something like that. People still seem to be having a great time doing the show. I'm still having a great time doing the show with mm-hmm. one noted exception. 103 degrees. Right. Um, other than that, um, I, I still, I, I was talking to Lucy, who plays Fiona, um, a couple weeks ago. It was, uh, we had been off and had, had, the, Thursday, had the Thursday yeah. off. And I was coming in on Friday and I just had this stupid grin on my face. And I didn't even realize it until I was passing the highway and getting close to the theater. I was like, oh, I'm really happy to be going back here. <laughs> and I've missed this. Yes. And that's that's still how I feel. I've had, the most fun, and that's that's what I really hope for us is that we just keep that that high level of energy and and professionalism going. That everyone's voices hang out and hold hold through. Like I I know I've been having some struggles. Um, I'm very pleased to feel like I've been st- vocally strong this <laughs> entire ride because I've never done one show this many times yeah. before, and I sing every day, all day, days off, just singing. I've I take I've been taking vocal rest on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, and then start singing again Wednesday morning throughout the day just to try to, you know, get back into it before Thursday hits. But, yeah, it's just uh, I hope that we, we end the same way we began with just a, a tight-knit group of people who are very positive and very, very professional and delivering, a, a ma- in my opinion, an amazing performance every night. I'm so proud of this cast. I, I can't, if that's the dad talking, I don't know, but I am so proud of this cast <laughs> and to be a part of it. It's just been, it's been an amazing experience. Oh, same, same for me. And I'm, you know, this is one of my first experiences away from home this long doing a show. And I want to do it again. I love it. And it's so hard for me thinking about this because I'm older than the rest of the cast. And for me, I thought I would have started. I wanted to start much younger doing this. So I'm 28 and I'm getting married next year. So for me, I still have to think about home. I have to think about all of that as far as what I'm going to do next. Because I have a life to go to and bills to pay and a new life to begin. And there's two of us. So on top of that, spending so much time away from my love, my fiance. It's so hard. So even thinking about the next show or the next journey of a tour 
or a dream such as a tour or something like that. It makes me think of how people do it, 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 especially in relationships. I'm like, how do people get to a point where they're okay with being away for so long? And I want to get to a point to where I can just have my own stuff and we can work together and do our shows together. But I know it's going to take us doing a lot of other things and a lot of hard work and connections. Greetings, James Major Burns. Nice to meet you. (laughs) To be able to do (laughs) other things like working together and seeing each other every day. And that's hard for us. And it's really hard on my baby. But I know where I want us to end. Right. And on that note, that's love. So Shrek, all in all, what do you have to say about the process so far and what it's done for you? Um, I think it's just been, like I said, just the, the, the meeting the people and, and, and having the experiences of, of building friendships with this cast um, has been an extremely positive experience for me. Um, I've uh, come to appreciate the talents of, of yourself and Lucy, all of them just amazed, honestly, um, Sarah and Corey and, and, and the ensemble. Um, just how dedicated everyone's been to. It makes you work harder. It does. Absolutely. And it it makes it easier too. I talk, I talk about Lucy a lot and just as a scene partner and you as well, it's the same thing. You get the rhythm up, but it's, she's always, and it's the same thing with you. You're always at that top level. And I believe everything you're, you're giving me. Right. And I try, I try really hard to do that same thing back. But it's just it's it's been an amazing experience for me to to yes. see that and definitely in a show that I love. Also. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, this is a show, and I've, several people have said it. I could do this one forever mm-hmm. and love it because it's just ever. oh yeah, and ever. <laughs> it's just because it's it's a positive message. Ultimately, um, it's fun. The music's great. It's it's funny, and it, it's just you know it's right. It was a hit movie, right? Everybody trilogy, seems to love trilogy, Shrek, which is nice. I don't know what you call a movie once it's past four. Um, somebody um, get that answer Something to with me. quad, I'm Equology. sure. Yes. We'll, we'll get that answer and get it back out to you guys, folks. Greetings, James Major Burns. <laughs> so, we're winding down. Is there anything that you would like to ask me? What? I thought of a few, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Prepared. What, um, what do you see in your life as your biggest inspirations for your creative process like things and like people well, anything now or then both give it give me the give me the journey so in the beginning <laughs> my older sister and my grandmother both my grandmother my mom's dad and my, my my mom's dad my mom's mom and my dad's mom but my mom's mom and my sister we went to church growing up and they were both in the choir. My grandmother would lead the choir and I just would want to sing all the time. And it's not that our family was like a singing family, but as far as music goes, people always played music. We always watched those movies like a Jackson's American Dream. So I always was around music. My aunt Tina, Whitney Houston, Boys to Men, she's the reason I listened to them. Sister Act. There was always music going around, so I wanted to do that. But my sister was creative. She used to draw all the time. She used to color all the time and sing and dance. So I would do all of that stuff with her. And I've been speaking about my sister recently because she's in prison. And it's something that I want to speak about more because it's nothing I'm ashamed of. And I still love her. And it was really weird on how I felt like I'm going to have to deal with this time that she's doing. But um, thinking about her recently, I just thought about how much she influenced me in the beginning stages of my life to do certain things, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do them because I was nervous about how people would view me as being feminine because she was feminine. So of course I'm loving everything she's doing. So I'm kind of doing it like her. So, and you know, you can't do that. And as I got older, I actually didn't start performing until I was 20 years old. So a lot of people don't know that I was a sports guy for my entire childhood. I sang here and there, but not for people. Sure. I sang at my high school graduation and I was terrified. But I did my first show when I was 20, going on 21, and it was all that she wrote. But um, I just really took to the stage and tried to soak up everything that I learned. Um, Joshua William Green was a big influence for me as far as... um dragging me down to auditions and really teaching me the ropes and the lines. And he's a great teacher. He's been a, um, a great friend to me. 
definitely an inspiration of mine, as, and, you know, as well as, you know, some celebrities and things. But I do draw a lot of inspiration from people that I know. And I'm going to shout out Beyonce, who is, um, I recently said she, um, for me, she made me so happy to just be who I am and a performer. And with her last album, I'm just even proud to be like a black guy. And she made this song called Brown Skin Girl. But I just feel so proud to just be a, a black guy, especially with the, you know, the Little Mermaid thing happening and everything that she's done in her career and what she stood for from the beginning of her career until now. And it's just something that inspires me as a person. I'll shout out Serena Williams and Tyra Banks. Like as far as inspirations of for people who have like helped form me into James Major Burns, Mm -hmm. America's Next Top Model raised me, (laughs) literally (laughs) raised me. Serena and Beyonce took me to the next level. And RuPaul's Drag Race taught me how to brand myself as well as top model. Like for me, when I do anything, I'm always looking and learning. So I watch reality TV, but you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm learning something from what I'm doing. I wouldn't start writing songs or rapping without seeing people that I love do it. So I learned all from them. So those are my inspirations. And again, as well as people around me who give me ideas and to make arts, to make songs. And you guys understand I have a notepad. I have my phone. I have all of these things written down, little questions that I put into things just from being around everybody. I'm like rogue. I've always said that I was like rogue from Spider- um, from X-Men. Yeah. Because I didn't go to school. I didn't get taught to do everything. But I'm more like rogue because I will take everything in from everyone I'm around. And I'll just like make it my own or replicate it in my own way. Right. And you, you use that power, right, basically. And that's... <laughs> I just realized that that's a realization for me because I've always said I was rogue. I've gone rogue like rogue. But more and more, I I didn't realize that I was actually doing and using the powers of rogue also. So that is thank you for asking me that question. You're very welcome. Any more questions? I have one more question for you. Yes. And this is the question that you ask everyone else. And I wanted to turn it around and ask you, Mm -hmm. what was your first impression of me? Oh, so when I first saw your picture, I was like, dad. (laughs) 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 I said, he's a dad. He has four kids. (laughs) I hope he's not going to be mad and be, well, not mad. I hope he's not going to be like, okay, guys, you need to get some rest. Or, you know, I didn't know if you were going to like come out and have like fun with us like you did. But immediately I was like, this guy's a dad. Like he's a dad and he's going to be great. But I thought you were going to be great um, when I saw you. And then when you messaged me, I was like, oh, he's going to be nice. Well, good. Because he, he reached out to me. And then when I um, met you for the first time, I was like, oh, good. He's not a dad. No. Nope. Well, not physically, but with children but it was a lot of energy and i was happy and pleased and you had done shrek before so i was happy good and i was like oh i don't have anything to be worried about because i did shrek twice already so for me i was like "Mm -hmm, this is gonna work good so is that all that's all i have for now all right well you want to let the people know where they can find you on social media sure i'm jason s lakes on facebook on um uh, Instagram, I'm at JS Lakes. On Snapchat, I am at TripQ. That's capital T R I P, capital Q U E. That's a long story. <laughs> um, and I didn't even notice that. <laughs> on Twitter, I am also, at, I think, at TripQ. Okay. The same. Yeah. Well, it has been lovely. We're about to go to trivia and whoop some arse. Yeah. So. Hope to see you there, you guys. Make sure you stop by our social media. Follow us. You can see what we have going on next in our lives. And this has been The Third Degree with James Major Burns and Jason S. Lakes. All right. Good night. But before I say good night, I just decided that that's my new outro because I did it with Jared. Oh, I have one more question. Yes, please. Did you listen to Jared's episode yet? I've listened to all of the cast episodes in their entirety. Okay, so what have you gotten from those episodes and what do you think like what the biggest bomb drop was and like which episode did you just... Okay, three questions. What was the biggest bomb drop? What episode did you relate to the most and like what episode do you think is like the best episode as far as like conducting and like vibe? Um, Biggest bomb drop was probably Nasir's. Yes, I agree. That was was shocking, but... I'm glad he, he stuck with us. Same. Um, one I identified with a lot, probably Sydney's. Um, some of the things she was talking about and some of the stuff she went through, um, she, she, she spoke on depression and the things as well. Um, 
I, I definitely identify with a lot of that, and I thought it was very brave to to talk yes, about that. I did too. Um, and then what, I'm sorry, what was the last one? The what episode do you think was conducted the best, or had like the best vibe and flow of the conversation? Now I've got two, I guess. Um, and it was because they kept me laughing. Mm-hmm. Definitely Thomas's and Zach's. Yes, those kept me laughing. They came prepared. So they were they ready to came go. Ready so that to was, be those the were host. fun. Yeah, they, those were fun. But I loved them all. I mean, because yes. we, we've learned stuff about everybody. That's that's another one of the reasons I started listening and, and listened to all of them. Is that's you exactly learn a, why I wanted to do you this. You learn a little bit. Um, so maybe something you didn't think about, something you didn't know, something you didn't consider, and just different perspectives on things. It's been a lot of fun listening to them. And I was initially nervous that no one would want to do it because when I first like said it, I sent out an email and I didn't get like that many back. And I had asked people, I'm saying, hey, did you listen to some of the episodes? They're like, oh, no, not yet. And I was like, okay, maybe they don't want to do it. Well, I think they were intimidated a little bit, too. And that's kind of what's helped is when you had the first two come out, I think people listen like, oh, it's just didn't. a conversation. Right. It's not a, you know, it's like, not. What are you going to ask? I don't me? have to be scared. And I, I think people are more comfortable with it then. But I know you've requested that folks go back and listen to all of them. And I do plan on doing that as well. But I want yes. to listen to all the, the cast ones first. Because you do get to learn myself a little bit more. And right. there's other people out there for you to learn from and relate to as far as being creatives. Because I've been interviewing right now m- more of the people who perform and create in this type of lane. Because it's, I wanted to have it for people in my city to, you know add to their repertoire of things for people to get to know them and get to learn them as artists and as people. Absolutely. So I just wanted, they're like, what am I going to talk about? Your life. (laughs) If you're alive, you have an interesting story. But folks, that is all. And again, this is James Major Burns and Jason S. Lakes with a third degree. Bye-bye.